touch and refresh your body, your mind, your soul and your spirit. Amen. Well, let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you today, Lord Father, that you're gathering your saints in the house of the Lord. Lord. We want to thank you, Lord Father, that you are doing a new thing, a good thing, Lord Father. I thank you tonight we come with expectations within our heart, Lord Father, to receive the word, Lord Father, that will empower us, encourage us to go to greater heights. We thank you, Lord Father, Lord, as the man of God has come here, Lord Father, all the way from Malaysia, Lord, to deliver a word in Perth, Western Australia. We thank you for the season and the timing, Lord Father, that you've called him here tonight to deliver a word at Champion Lakes, Lord Father, in Armadale. And we want to thank you for what you're doing with this church, Lord Father, with your people, that you are moving, you are shaping, you are redefining, Lord Father, what you called us to be. And we thank you tonight that every person has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying in this place, Lord Father. And thank you that every person will open their hearts, Lord Father, for the word to come. Father, we thank you today for Dr. Stephen T., Lord Father, as he delivers the word that you will just fill him, Holy Spirit, fill him with power and might, that he will deliver a word so in tune with what you are saying, Lord Father for the people of Perth in the nation of Australia, Lord Father. And thank you for every person here today that has come, Lord Father. And we thank you tonight that we will all go out, refresh, ready, focused to do your will. And we thank you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, it's awesome. It's nice to have Pastor Mike. It's good to be here with all of you midweek. So... Well, as I said, we've got some exciting. Just want to le- let you know a little bit of format. I just want to see if anyone's new, any new visitors, or yeah, I met you there. Welcome to Champion Lakes. Great to have you here tonight. Uh, we do have Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. If you're not attached to a church, <laughs> we'd love to have you here t- on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So that would be great. Just a format. Uh, bef- shortly, I'm going to invite Dr. Steve. Stephen to preach and afterwards we're going to collect an offering and he does have some books available but I'll get him to explain a little bit. Now stay back for some fellowship, there is tea and coffees available and um, yeah get ready for, well the good news is it's Wednesday, the mean good news is we've only got two more days of the working days and then it's the weekend again so, so be excited. So who's ready? Yeah. Open your hearts, open your minds. And open your ears because God, I really believe, has got a word for us tonight. So just a little bit of background about Dr. Stephen. He wanted me to call Stephen, but I don't do things like that. <laughs> Doctor, Reverend Dr. Stephen T. Apparently you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ right back in 1971. Good old decade. <laughs> and was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit in June 1975. And he actually, after 18 years of engineering practice fantastic he um, pioneered a church in um, KL Uh, who's been to KL you know it's a fabulous city love it could live there and he was um, he's been traveling all around and he's a man after God's heart and he understands the secret things of the Lord because of his life of worship and prayer Um, he conducts seminars pastors conferences speakers in churches camps lectures in bible schools in many countries such as Australia, New Zealand, East Asia, India, Southeast East Asia, Africa and Europe. Um, he's a gifted teacher. He ministers the word of God with a strong teaching anointing, delivering the word 
and with authority and clarity. And he's very sensitive to the Holy Spirit and functions in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, You've wrote some books as well, which tonight he will actually let you know about it. And he is married to Dr. Catherine and has two sons, William, who's 28. Oh, 31. (laughs) They need to update the website. (laughs) Oh, my. Sorry. Sorry. Google. Let me down again. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, so <laughs> William is 31 and David is great, 26. And a dog, cat, nothing added on. <laughs> no grandchildren. Okay, no. Well, well, let's be upstanding and let's welcome this mighty man of God to deliver the word. Is it on? Yes, praise the Lord. Well, thank you very much, uh, Pastor Mike, for giving me this opportunity to come and share the Word of God with you. And uh, everybody asks me, why do you carry uh, such a big Bible? Yeah? Uh, You know, in Asia, you need to carry a big Bible because it shows that you are wise. Because a big Bible means you have a big print. All right? And, uh, you know, when I walk around with my Bible, you will find that all my church members are very well behaved. Praise the Lord. And tonight, actually, I want to touch on uh, a passage in the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalms 37. We're going to read Psalm 37. But we will not be reading the whole chapter, but... Uh, we will be focusing only on uh, four verses of Psalm chapter 37 and I entitled it, You'll Never Fail. How many of you believe what the Bible says that in Christ, He always causes a triumph? God has never created us to fail. God has created us to be victorious. And we know that when Jesus Christ comes back, He's coming back for a glorious church, a victorious church. And we need to know that as long as we are in Christ and as long as we are obedient to Him, as long as we are following His ways and fulfilling His divine and perfect purpose for us, you will always experience victory. You will never fail. Right? And this is something that I would like to share with you on some of the principles through the life of King David. He had many challenges, but yet... He came through it all because he was a man after God's heart. All right, Psalm 37. And a reading from uh, verse uh, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighted in his way. 
Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholded him with his hand. I've been young and now I'm old. Wow. Look at this. And that's a comforting scripture for us. We have all been young and, and David says, I've been young, but now I'm old. Yet. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed. Now, I don't know which version of the Bible you use. I don't like the non-inspired version. Because I think the non-inspired version uh, reads as children, isn't it? There's a lot of difference between children and seed, by the way. Alright? I'm not, I'm not asking you to change your version of Scripture, but I feel there's a difference between children and seed. A lot of difference. Okay? Seed refers to generations. Children refers to your immediate generation. You know, God has revealed Himself always as the God of generations. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Yet, I have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread? He is ever merciful and landed, and his seed, again, not his children, his seed, and blessed. Can we just pray and thank the Lord? Father, we thank you for such an encouraging word. As we read the scripture, Father, we know that we do not have to fear nor to be anxious for our lives and even for our seed to come. Because you have promised, Lord, that you are a God of generations. And so we commit this message into your hands, Lord, that you will speak to us. That you give us, Lord, a heart that is good and fertile ground to receive your word. And Father, as we receive your word, may your spirit stir our heart to believe it, Lord. And that let the Holy Spirit take us a step further, Father, to act on the word. And we know, Lord, that when we act on your word, we can then reap the fruits of your word in our lives. It is not just the hearing. It is not just the receiving. It is not just the believing. But it is the acting, Father, that we can see the reality of your word in our life. We thank you. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If you let me time. Yeah, just look at context 37. Psalm 37 was written by King David in his mature years. And why, how do we know he's in his mature years? He says, I was young and now I am old. Now, in Psalm 37, David discussed the common problem. In the beginning, he discussed the common problem of why the righteous suffer and the wicked seemingly prosper. It's a common problem. Even today, we are always wondering why, you know, God, you know, how come we walk with you, we are obedient, you know, but yet we see all the wicked prospering, driving big Mercedes, driving big Audis and staying in big houses. That's a common question we all ask, isn't it? And uh, believers occasionally wonder why God permitted the wicked to succeed and the righteous to suffer. 
But when you look at Psalm 37, you notice that the word wicked is repeated 14 times in the King James Version, if you're using the King James. Now, in Psalm 37, David confirmed four encouraging assurances to believers who questions how God is governing the world by declaring, number one, if you read verse 1 to verse 11, it's the second slide. Who is controlling it? Anybody controlling it? It's the second slide. All right, thank you. Thank you. Uh, in verse 1 to verse 11, David declares to us that the Lord can be trusted. And when you continue to read from verse 12 to verse 20, David declares that the Lord understands our situations. One thing we must never forget, that we are a privileged people compared to the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, they do not have the privilege of God in them, nor God with them, except for a few people who are specially chosen, and God for them. And so we are privileged people that whenever you are confronted situation or circumstances, please remember you never confront them alone because God is always there for you. Number three, David declares and proclaims that the Lord blesses his people. You read that in verse 21 to verse 31. And number four, the fourth encouraging promise assurance of God is the Lord judges the wicked. The wicked will have their time of judgment. You don't have to be envious of them. They will have their own time of judgment. And it is in verse 32 to verse 40. As I said tonight, we want to elaborate and focus on uh, verses 23 to verses 26. And in these few verses, we see four important promises and four important declarations of God through his servant David. In verse 23, David declares that the Lord directs the paths of his people. In verse 24, David declares the Lord preserves his people. In verse 25, David declares that the Lord provides for his people. And the last declaration in these three verses is, the Lord blesses his seed. Isn't that wonderful? Now let's explore it together. I want to look at the first one. The Lord ordered the steps of his people. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. <laughs> and he delighted in his ways. Now I want you to know, if you are reading the King James, the word good is not in the original Hebrew text. Alright? <laughs> it is added by the translators. Okay? 
Now, if you are using the King James, I'm still using the authorized version, by the way. It's 1511 version. Uh, you see when uh, it is in italics, when you read the King James, if it is in italics, that means it is added by the translators to give us clarity. All right? And so here the word good is not in the original Hebrew text, but added by the translators. Now, the first thing we note here is that God does not order the steps of any man. He says the steps of a good man. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, it is acceptable to add the word good in this verse because we know that God does not order the steps of a wicked man. And so it's okay to add. <coughs> the word good. Or we can put here, if we want to today, we can say, the Lord ordered the steps of a righteous man. And today, I pray that all of us are righteous. Not because of what we have achieved, but it's because of the love of God and the grace of God. And He gave His most uh, beloved Son to die for us. Now, what do we understand by the word steps? The word steps imply the course of our lives, both temporal and spiritual. Now, we have not come to understand that God is interested in every dimension of our life. But most of the time, we try to dissect our life. This is spiritual, you know, this is family, this is career. But you know, God is a busybody. And I love God to be a busybody because I want to tell you in every area of our life, we need God. Not only in the spiritual side. We need God. And so the steps of a righteous man or a good man means our studies. You know, a lot of people don't see the need to pray where or which university we need to go. As long as we are accepted by the university, we just make a choice. We can go mini, minor, minor, more. Okay, that's it. No. The Bible is very clear that in the scripture, God revealed to us three views. Good view, acceptable view, and perfect view. Do you know, I've learned when I pray for the will of God, I never just pray that God, Help me to obey your will. I don't do that anymore. When I understand there is three views in Scripture, and I always pray, God, I want to walk in your perfect will. Now, why a perfect will is important? I just want to share with you my personal experience. Not just any university that your son goes. It must be the right university that God has for him. Because if he... If he is in the right place, he will have the provision of God. Now, <coughs> you need to understand that our Christian walk, Paul tells us, is not a 100-meter sprint, right? Yeah. It is a marathon. And how many of you are running a marathon here? <laughs> wow. A full marathon or half marathon? How many have run a marathon here? Full marathon and half marathon? Full marathon? 
full marathon is 42 kilometers, right? Yeah, because you did as well, huh? 42. My son just finished a half marathon last Sunday. And I said, why do you have to pay the money and suffer? <laughs> now, if you run a marathon race, you'll find that there are stations where refreshments are prepared for you. Prepared. Not going to be prepared, but prepared. Now, if you're not running the right marathon route, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know when a decision has to be made regarding where we I send my younger son to study medicine in Australia? I chose the cheapest university. Makes sense, right? Because I'm paying for it, you see? So I have to choose the cheapest one. Do you know God has other ideas? God told me he need, you need to send him to the most expensive one. Right? The cheapest one, he finished five years. The most expensive one, you pay more, but you finish in six years. But I can tell you, I'm from Malaysia. I'm a minister of God. I don't have the money. You know, I don't have the money to come up with 436,000 Australian dollars. Oh. I can buy a big church building for 435,000 in Malaysia. You know? I have learned that if you are in the perfect will of God, you will have the provision of God. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to worry. Because we all know, everybody knows that I'm boasting. But I'm boasting of a lack. David said, I boast of a lack. Because I don't have enough. The Lord is faithful. And you need to seek. And I seek the Lord for many, many days. And that God spoke so clearly that I have no choice. And I make a bargain. I, I ask the Lord, I, Lord, give me, if you let me make the decision, it's very easy. The cheapest one. But I told God, I said, no. I want my children to learn to walk in the perfect will of God. I said, show us which one. And I told God, I said, Lord, I'm in a predicament. I don't know what to do. Do you know when you're in this situation, quite difficult for you to hear God because you're quite disturbed. Right? But sometimes God has other means. Right? God is a very resourceful God. Don't worry about it. Okay? And so after my prayer, it was almost 12 o'clock. I received an SMS. I received an SMS. And when I read the SMS, my hair stands. Because what is written in the SMS is the exact word that I use in my prayer to God. Yeah, But I'm not suggesting to you, you know, to look at your SMS and get direction from SMS, please. I want to clarify it, alright? But I say God can use other means because of the situation you are in. Sometimes God can use a prophet or maybe very occasionally He uses SMS. The exact word. Is it a word? 
I just share it with you. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm in a predicament. I don't know what to do, but my desire is that my son goes to the right university that you have ordained him to go. I said, that's my desire. And so it says, before you say a word, I already know it. Wow, my God, how powerful that is. The next thing he says, don't think. I do not know your predicament. <laughs> Look at that. Don't think. I do not know your predicament because I can, God, I'm in the predicament. I don't know what to do. And then he says, trust in me. Cantonese or in Chinese they say, says or say in English means die, die, la. Never mind. <laughs> and so, God, the moment we make that decision to follow, miracles after miracles after miracles, God opened door, impossible door got opened. And I can tell you today, I can boast of the Lord. I don't have to touch my savior. We must be people in God's place, in God's time, doing God's thing, in God's way, with the people God has ordained for us. There should always be a heart of a believer. God's interested in your studies. He's interested in the university. He has ordained a university. I told my son, I said, don't worry about your wife. God has already one prepared for you. Don't rush. Wait, you are the right one. In your careers, the companies that you work in, and sometimes people just, you know, I've got a job and I just go in. No, you don't do that. You have to pray. You have to pray. And wait on him. He wants the best for us, but many times we want the second best. Why? Because it is not easy to trust God, to wait on Him. You understand? So we want the second best. No. God does not want us to have second best. God always wants us to have the best. It can be in your marriage, as I mentioned. Don't rush, especially young people. They want to get married. They look this at this beautiful girl. You know, she's 36, 24, 36. But look at her, 30 years' time. She may not be 36, 24, 36. <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? That's what young people do. And then suddenly, after 30 years, you look at her. Wow, is it the right woman I've married? <laughs> All right, let me go on. In your business, the same. Be wise when you're in partnership. You have to pray. Ask God give you a spirit of discernment. It is an important thing for us. If we make mistakes in this area, it can be quite serious. All right? In our spiritual walk, in the ministry is the same. You know, though I come to this place every year, I don't go to the same church all the time. All right? I just tell I'm coming and then let the pastor arrange. And I believe if that's our heart is always to fulfill the perfect will of God. God will ordain it. God will order your steps. Okay? 
Now let's go on to the next one. I want you to note the word ordered. The word ordered is in the past tense, not the future tense, not the present tense. I want you to know that your steps until the day you're taken up to heaven, God has ordered it. But whether we are walking in it is another issue, right? Okay? So I want to share with you. God has our life's purpose all planned out. And we know Jeremiah 29 verse 11, we know that. That's a scripture. Everybody remember that, you know. Uh, and he says, God's plan for us are good plans. Plans to prosper us, to give us a hope, to give us a future. But it will never become a reality unless we are willing to surrender. No, it's great to preach messages that motivate people. But sometimes we need to touch on the condition. You need to fulfill the condition. Therefore, it will happen. Do you know, in physics, they always say, where there is an action, there's always a reaction. You don't wait for God to react. You react first. Genesis 29 verse 11 cannot be read or preached in isolation. You need to deal with Jeremiah 27 onwards. It will give you the full context of it. Alright, so it's assuring to know it is wonderful to know that God has good plans for us, but we need to make sure that we are living that good plans. Just like our parents, they, they can plan all they want for us. But if they are not willing to follow what we have planned. You see, that's why we have believers. You see many different believers. They are at different stages of their lives. Some are struggling uh, in this area, some are struggling in that area, you know. But, but I can tell you, it doesn't mean that when we walk in the perfect will of God, we don't struggle. We still struggle. But the outcome of the struggle is always, if you walk with God, you always come through it. With a better understanding of God. With a better character. Alright, let's go on. So the word ordered means established. God has established. God has fashioned and God has framed His plans for you. And as I mentioned, to accomplish God's plan, you must surrender to His plan. And the good news is, God has never planned defeat, failures, Right? Because we know our good plans plan to prosper you. Now, if we are in a situation where we are not experiencing that, it is important for us to reevaluate. You know, evaluation, evaluating our life is important. In my habit, always at the end of the year, I evaluate my life. I evaluate my marriage. I evaluate the church. I evaluate the ministry. Because evaluation is actually very important. If you don't, you will not be able to move forward. But it has to be a, a genuine and honest evaluation. Now, the, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You know, the word man there means a conqueror, you know. The word man here in Hebrew means a warrior and a victor. And we are. If God were to order our steps, isn't it? 
Yeah. So when God orders our steps, we will definitely be successful and prosperous in our life. We will never fail. Since God ordered our steps, our way is aligned to God's way, to God's purpose, to God's destiny. And that's why God delights in us. And we delight in His way. You know, the Bible says, when we delight in God, He gave us the desires of our heart. He will not give us the desires of our heart until we delight in Him first. He must be first. So therefore, God delights in the ways of this man. Because why? He's actually walking in God's ways. That's why he's delight in God. Now the word delight, or look at the word delight. The word delight means to take great pleasure. The word delight means to, to, uh, to well please or to greatly desire. It means that God takes great pleasure and is pleased with us. He feels great when God delights in us. So I remember the scripture in the book of Psalms, chapter 1. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, the word he meditates day and night. And he shall do. If you are not going to fulfill verse 2, it cannot be. It cannot be. Right? It shall be by the truth, rather by the rudeness of your life. Look at that. His leaf will not be with. I don't like to use that. I say my leaf shall always be green. <laughs> he will bear fruit in his season. That's whatever he does. God says Whatever. Is it your study? Is it your business? Is it your career? Is it your church? Is it your ministry? God says, whatever He does, shall prosper. Shall prosper is a guarantee, you know, by the way. It's a guarantee. But if you do nothing, you prosper nothing. You see? Every action That's why he's prosperous. He says, the step of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighted in his way. Let's look at verse 24. We have looked at 23. We have finished 23. Let's look at verse 24. The Lord preserves his people. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholded him. You know, David did not deny the realities of disappointment and troubles in life. He didn't say that, you know, if you're walking with God, you have no problem, you have no trouble. And bearing in mind, the Bible tells us very clearly that the devil's desire is to kill, <laughs> to steal, and to destroy. Even though you're walking with God, he will try. He's an opportunist, by the way. And that's why as a Christian, there's no time to relax except when you're in heaven. 
It's true. You cannot relax. Because even Jesus, after the Satan tempted Jesus, remember in Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says Satan left him for an opportunity. So there's no such thing as, you know, I want to relax this year. No. Because if you relax this year, you may be relaxing all your life. <laughs> so we have an enemy. So we cannot relax. All right? You have to always move forward. If you don't move forward, you are backsliding. Okay? You have to move forward. All right? Give me a... I think the, the stick tastes so good, but I think I need a lot of water. Now, and David himself had personal experiences of disappointments in his life, isn't it? One of them is Saul. Saul pursued him to kill him, though he has done nothing wrong against the king. He was actually very loyal to King Saul. How do I know he's loyal to King Saul? He had no motive and agenda in his heart to take over the kingdom from King Saul. How do I know that? Because David had two opportunities to kill him, but yet he didn't do it. So David's predicament of being a fugitive was not caused by his own foolish decision, but it is caused by an insecure King Saul. So sometimes we are confronted with situations it does not necessarily mean that we have not made the right decision. No. Because remember, the devil is there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I come to give you life. Do you know, he didn't, he didn't put a full stop there. You know? I come to give you life, and life abundantly. Are we living the abundant life? Are we living the abundant life? We must come to this stage as a church to believe the word of God. You know what I tell God? I say, God, if you have said it, I believe it and I want it. The Bible says, do not be covetous, isn't it? But I want to tell you, when you talk about things of God, be as covetous as you want. Tell God, I said, look, if this is what you have said, I want it. What's the point of, you know, if I tell you that I put $1,000 in the bank and you want to have a good stake, but you have no money to pay for the stake? You become most miserable when you know you have the money, but you don't have it in hand. You know what's the problem with believers today? The problem with believers today is they have so much knowledge, but no action. No action. I'm not saying it's not important to have knowledge. I'm saying you can have knowledge, but if you are not going to act on the knowledge, that knowledge is of no use to you and I. Okay? Abundant life. God came to give us abundant life. Just jot down, I want to turn to it. Just jot down 2 Chronicles 17 verse 5. Jehoshaphat has riches and honor in abundance. Do you know why? Do you know why God asks, bless us with abundance? Because God has set the principle of prosperity. That is, give, it shall be given to you. 
If God has said that as a command to us, He cannot bless us sparingly. Because if He does, how can we obey His commandment to give? God is not a stingy God. He's a God who owns the cattle in a thousand years. The gold and the silver. And I can stand before you to tell you, God is faithful. God is faithful. I want to just share this with you about abundance, if you don't mind. I can keep you here for a bit longer. Because I'm a long-winded preacher, we all know that. <laughs> I just share with you that when you walk in the ways of God and have a heart for the kingdom of God, for God's people and for Him, he will move on your behalf. Pastor Mike has been to my church. We have always been renting a church, uh, renting a place. And somebody, the, the, the owner wants to increase the rent to 5,000 ringgit by paying almost 4,000. We can't afford, so I have to move. We have to look for a smaller place. And I was talking to someone, and he wanted to send five young people to me. Young people who were just Christian for six months. So he wanted to send to me, and uh, I told him, say, I don't know where my church is going to be. We are looking for a place. He said, don't get a shop lot. I don't know whether you have shop lot. There's shop lot here. If you get a shop lot as a church, you have no parking, isn't it? Because not enough parking. He said, don't get a shop lot. I said, yeah, you know, uh, it's better to get a factory. I said, yeah, that's the best one, but we must have the money to buy the factory. He said, no, 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 no. You go and look for a factory. I will be for it. I didn't see anything. You see, all Judah came to give presents to Jehoshaphat and he had riches and honor in abundance. Who did it? God did it. But you go back and read 2 Chronicles 17 you'll find the secret of why Jehoshaphat was such a successful king and why people come and give him gifts. And I can tell you, the Lord's presence was with him because he walked in the first way of his father David, not the second way, the first way. He walked under the commandment of God. This is the key. Obedience is the key. And so praise God, I was rejoicing and uh, we found a place, we told him, and uh, I was in Melbourne ministry, and we checked on Skype. He says, I went to see the place. It's a nice place, because directly opposite is a train station. Because I've seen that. I said, that's a wonderful location, train station. And he went to see it. He said, that's wonderful. Uh, do you know that the next door uh, factory is also for sale? I said, I don't know. Do you know it's the same owner? I don't know. But I tell you what, I buy two. We just set our heart to please Him, to love Him, to obey Him. That's all we need to do. So I tell you that Christian life is not a difficult walk. And Christian life only involves two areas of commitment. Pray and be obedient. 
You didn't hear me? Prayer and read the word. That's a different level. Okay? Abundance. His son Absalom betrayed and usurped his kingdom, isn't it? So, David recognized the reality that as long as we are alive, we will have to confront challenges and adversities in our life. And I always tell people, if you don't want trouble, don't want adversities, go and kill yourself. Because only dead people, <laughs> only dead people have no problem, isn't it? And so if you have problem, you should be rejoicing because you are alive. And not only that, you are of a sound mind. You know, you have a good attitude. And then you are alive, you are sound mind. Now, I want to clarify the word for, because... If I don't clarify it, you think that, you know, we can fall into sin, it's okay. No. The word fall here does not refer to falling into sin. It refers to falling into misfortune, falling into disappointment, falling into calamities, or falling into troubles. I need to clarify that. And disasters and calamities or misfortune will strike any one of us. We see Job. He was a godly man. He was stripped of everything. Like Joseph. He was put in prison. He was first as a slave and then put in prison. Genesis 39 is a wonderful passage to preach. Like Jonah, he was cast into the deep. But I have good news for you. Because a man who steps is ordered by the Lord may fall temporarily. David lost his kingdom, but God restored to him. Job lost everything, but God restored to him a double portion. Joseph was a prisoner. God made him to reign in Egypt. Jonah was in the way, but he had a safe landing. <laughs> now all these arise not because of their strength or of their wisdom. That they rise after every fall. But it was the hand of the Lord. You know, I want you to know today, God's hand is always stretched forth towards us. He's always there. His hand is always there. You, the issue is whether you grab hold of His hand. God's hand is there. Let's continue. The word uphold. Though He fall, He shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholdeth Him. His hand. We know the word up all you means support, sustain, refreshes, revive. Do you know the Lord always wants to keep us fresh and revive us with His Spirit? I want to just share something here, but I digress a little bit because I know that many times we hear people say, you know, a lot of people experience burnout. Have you heard of that? 
But I want to tell you, you should never experience burnout. If you experience burnout, that means we are serving God with our own strength. If you keep drinking from the river, you'll never experience burnout. I personally don't believe in burnout. Because there's a river that flows from the throne of God. Jesus says, those of you who thirst, come and drink. Drink. Drink until you are satisfied. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul, uh, Paul talks about, do not be drunk with wine, right? But be filled with the Spirit. The word filled actually has four degrees. i just give you an example. If you have a sponge that is very dry, and you start filling it with water, all right, the sponge is filled with water to a degree. But as you continue to fill that sponge, the water begins to permeate the sponge, right? Okay? And as you continue to fill water with, into the sponge, what happens? Begins to saturate the sponge. And you continue to fill it, what happens? There's an overflow. Paul talking about being filled, he's talking about an overflow. If you are a minister of God and you are overflowing with the Spirit, that's where people are refreshed. People are revived. Burnout means you don't drink. If you drink, you will never experience burnout. So we need to understand that God wants us and God will revive us if we are down and out. He will encourage us. He wants to build us up. He wants to inspire us when we are down and out. Sometimes he will do it personally, perhaps through a vision or through a dream. He will use a prophet to speak a word of uh, comfort to inspire you. Or sometimes you may just get inspired by reading his word. In many ways, God does it. He wants to inspire us. He wants us to get to make sure that we don't fall utterly. We will not be utterly cast down because God upholds us with His hand. And His hands is always stretched out towards us. All we need to do is to grab hold of His hand. And with God holding us, we may experience setback. God on our side, he will never fail. Now let's go to number three, verse 25. We talk about the provisions of God. The Bible says that I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now we need to remember that David wrote this psalm in his old age. And David has gone through long life. He has wide and varied experiences and observation. I mean, if we are older, we know we have wider experience, a lot of observation. Then when, when we are wiser with a lot of observation, we tend to make the right decision. That's why young people need to listen to the more older people to avoid a lot of unnecessary problems. <laughs> I tell you, if you are a wise young man, a wise young man is one who goes to the old wise man to listen to what he's got to say. 
But nowadays, they say that you are of different culture. You are of different time. Do you know, if every, counsel, every counsel is given to you based on the word of God, it is relevant at all times. At all times. We have pastors in Malaysia that teach the young people and say that the Old Testament is not relevant to us. It's called Old Testament. <laughs> but I thank God, Paul says to Timothy, he says, all scripture is what? Paul. Not just the New Testament. So a wise young man is one who will go to the wise elderly man for counsel. And you will avoid a lot of unnecessary Two young people here. Alright. No. Right. So what if, what was his observation? His observation will God will not forsake the righteous. His observation, God is faithful to his promise to the righteous. His obvious observation, he has never seen the righteous seed begging bread. You know, to the Chinese, the word seed is very important. I will share with you as we go along to the last part. But not everyone will experience God's provision. Because God has set laws in motion. If you don't follow the laws, you will not experience what He has promised. So here you see that David was specific, very specific. He says, it is the righteous that experience God's provision. Isn't it? He says here, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet, I have not seen the righteous. Who are the righteous? The righteous are God's people, are God's children. I have not seen the righteous. Forsaken, he says. It is a righteous that will experience God's provision and he declares you with great confidence because of his numerous personal encounter. His encounter and his experience with God. When we have an experience and an encounter with God, what we share is not knowledge, but is The message that we preach can never become life until we live it. It can be knowledge, but it can never become life. And that's why it is the spirit touch the spirit. Knowledge touch the soul, but not the spirit. If you want the message to touch the spirit and impact people and touch people, you need to first do before you preach. Except sin. You don't have to do. <laughs> I better clarify. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, if you want to talk about prayer, if you are not praying, you are just preaching knowledge, but no life. No life. You see, if you want to talk about God's provision and you have never experience God's provision, how can you preach that provision? That God is faithful. You can't. 
You can only do it for knowledge. That's all. But knowledge is not life, by the way. So what David is saying is not out of knowledge. David is saying out of his life experience with God. And when you have life experience with God, the devil can come and try to deceive you. It will never work. Because he only works, it only works if it is based on knowledge. When he told Eve, did God say? But if you have lived it, the devil cannot deceive you. Because it's no longer knowledge, but life. And so here you begin to see that David declares that God is faithful, not just to his children, but also to his seed. Remember, God is a God of generation. But by the way, it's not automatic. It's not automatic. Even though God is a God of generation, because our generation has to obey God and what we God. It is not an automatic. You never see... People like Prophet Samuel, who is such a God, great prophet of God, his children are great prophets. No. It's not automatic. Because they too must subscribe or obey God's law and God's command and God's statutes. But because if we are people who obey God, we can influence them not only in word. And that's why I see it's so important. The importance of role modeling is very important in the home, in the church. When I read the Bible, I don't read the Bible in my own room. I read the Bible in my living room. Why? Because I want to see my children looking at me. Why are you reading the Bible and you can explain to them? When I pray, I pray in the living room. But there are times that Jesus says you need to hide in the closet. Yes. There are times I do that. I hide in the closet. And when I hide in the closet, my wife is not even allowed to enter. There's no entry for my wife. Because it's my personal time with my God. And I tell you, if she's there, she'll be afraid when she hears the way I pray. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you see, that's why I read in the living room. I want my children to see. That's why I pray in the living room. I want my children to see. And I will give you a real life example of a pastor friend. In his living room, he has a very nice arm, you call it armchair, where you just lie down and relax. Now, he was relating it to me, and you can pick it up about the importance children learning through observation. So he was lying down, lying down, lying down. Then the phone rang. His daughter was about seven years old, picked up the phone, and from her response, we roughly can guess what is being asked of her on the other side. She said, yes, he's in. And so we can guess what is being asked of her. Is your dad in, right? Okay. And the next thing he heard, the daughter say, 
as usual, sitting there, doing nothing. <laughs> so you know what's been asked, right? What's your dad doing? And he quickly got out of the chair and told the daughter, no, 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 I'm meditating. <laughs> God is a God of generation. The blessing of God that is upon us, it is not automatic, automatically passed down to our generation unless they too Now, I want to deal with the difference between children and seed, as I mentioned earlier. All right? The great difference. Seed refers to generations. Children refers to your immediate descendants. And so, if you see that God is a God of generation, I think the right word to use is seed, not children. So, if you use your NIV here, and it is children, strike it and proceed. It's not wrong. I'm not teaching something new. Proceed is okay. Don't you, you don't have to change your Bible, but just put it seed. Okay. Now David died in peace because he knows that God will watch over his seeds on conditions that they live in the way of the ancestors. That's why for a Chinaman, for a Chinaman, unlike for Western people. We don't actually release our children until we are six feet under the ground. Because they are still our children, even though they are 45 years old. I was living with my grandmother. She was 70 plus, And she was sitting in the living room waiting for my uncle to come back. He's 45. The Chinese says that when we die, if our children are not doing well, we cannot die in peace. And I love this when God gave me the assurance of his seed. God bless me when he knows. And God bless my seed. And I pray for my grandchildren, even I don't have grandchildren. I really pray for them. I really pray for their spouses. You think I'm crazy? No, I'm not crazy. <laughs> because prayer is what do you call it? It's ageless, you know, it's timeless. You know, it's timeless. And so this is something we need to understand that we have to set the model and the example. And then if you do that, and if your children pick it up, you will not need to worry for the future. Because you know you're walking with God. And God is faithful to watch over them and to protect them. That's why when a Chinese man or a woman are buried six feet underground, if their children are doing well, you can see a peace if not, you can see the anxiety and the worry on the, on the face. 
right? I know Western is different. When they reach 18, 19, oh, you can live on your own. Actually, I marvel sometimes looking at different culture, you know. When your children are 18 and 19, they stay with you, they have to pay rent, right? Isn't it? They have to pay rent, they have to pay for their food and all that. We never do that in our culture. We never do that in our culture. Why? Because if we do that in, the, in, in our culture, we cannot exercise authority over them. We can't. You can't tell them what time to come home. You can't. And so we don't. We let them give us voluntarily. And we can still exercise authority over them. In our culture, as long as you stay in the home, whether you are 45 or 55 and your dad is 85, you still have personality over them. So when you look at the word seed, it's a different perspective altogether. If you see from the word children. Okay? Now let me finish within to about an hour. Now I want to go to the last verse that we're looking at. God blesses his seed. I mean, God blesses David's seed. And God wants to bless our seed. And our seed after our seed after our seed after. He's ever merciful and lended, and his seed is blessed. Here he's talking about the person who is blessed by God. And here he's ever merciful. He's ever merciful here refers to his character. Refers to his character, and it does not show it occasionally. He constantly desires to show mercy because he had experienced God's mercy in his life. His life is a life that is living character. So the word character, uh, mercy means kindness and compassion. Okay? So he shows mercy not only in word, but he do it in deed. Why? Because David says he's ever merciful and he landed. So he shows compassion, he shows kindness not only in word, but he shows it in deed. God is merciful to him, he's compassionate to the poor, and hence he lands and implies that God prosper him richly to enable him to land. Even though it's not written here, but I know if you have to land, you must have extra to land. You can't land if you only have sufficient. So God has blessed this man richly or abundantly. And therefore, he can land. There's a nature of compassion. He's a kind-hearted person. That's his character. So as he sows in the life of others, God guarantees his harvest. Have you ever thought when we talk about time of giving? I know how I don't know how the the European mind think about giving and the Chinese mind think about giving may be different. Have you ever thought about giving? And the Bible always talks about planting the seed. Right? When you give God a pear seed, do you get back one pear? Think of it when you give. You should be giving cheerfully. You know. Wow, this one pair. I'm going to have a whole tree full of pears. 
And nobody will need to force you to give. If you understand it in your mind, you project and see yourself. And I want to share with something why God has been so faithful in making financial provision. You know, I never left. Even the church never left. Because I set the example. You know, there are people who have fixed deposit and they get interest, few thousand dollar interest. They don't pay tithes for the interest. You know. You know, I pay tithes for my interest. You know, I pay tithes from the scholarship that my son gets. People don't know. Because everything that God gives, at least one tenth. Because when a scholarship is given to me, this money is given to me, I'm not taking it out of my own pocket. It's what God has given to me. I tithe on the scholarship. And that's why I can tell you, even this $435,000 God provides. Why? Because I have sown faithfully and I obey Him faithfully. I teach my children to give their first fruits. But I don't teach my church. Because in Asia... Pastor Mike, you know, Asian people, when you talk about money, it's very simple. I don't teach my church first fruits. But I tell them that my children give first fruits. It's different, you know. I just tell them my children give their first fruits. So God will guarantee and make sure that you will not experience lack. And I have my first challenge with my second son, David, who is graduating as a doctor next month. He's got his intern. Yeah? I can tell you the story how God intervened in the residential college that he stays. He stays in the most expensive residential colleges. One week is $420. So I want to encourage you, not because you hope that you know, God will give you a lot of money. No need. God has set the principle when you sow, you will receive. No need to think about whether it's 20%, 30%, 40%, 100%. I don't think about it because God has set the principle that when I sow, I will reap. So I told my son, I said, wow, you're going to work in starting work in January. He started work in January the 8th. So I said, don't forget your first fruits. Wow, he counts. I mean, he's blessed. I mean, as, a, as an intern, he's paid quite well. It's 5000 a month. Wow, that you mean I got to pay 5000 into the offering box? And then he said, how am I going to live for that month? I said, you don't worry. You just pay your first fruit. I will take care of your first month. No more excuse, eh? Because people don't understand the God desire is to bless His people. I mean, what is your thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand to God in your hand? Okay? Always remember, you plant a seed, you get a fruit tree. Right? It's important for us. If you don't plant, what do you get? Whatsoever he does shall prosper. You do nothing, you know prosper. All right, I'm sharing with you. And the Bible says this. I hope church remember. 
They just believe the word of God. The Bible says, God watches over his word to perform it. Come on, it's time for the church to believe the word of God. Now, just before I end, I want to ask you a question. We all know that Jesus is coming back, right? Right? Okay. Now, when Jesus comes back, what is he looking for? One is for his bride. What else? Faith. Why did Jesus say that? Why did Jesus say that? That means in the last days, we need to watch. He's saying, you need to watch. That means he's saying there's a possibility when I come back, there's no faith. Why? If there is no faith, it means there's no word being preached. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. Okay? Just taking you a little break. Go back to the parable of the sower. There's something we need to restudy the whole parable of the sower. Okay? There are two elements involved. One is the heart, one is the seed. You can have a good heart, but the seed deposited may be gone. Do you see Harvest 34, 64, 100-fold? Who determines the 30, 60, 100? It's not God, it's you and I, by the way. So there are two elements involved. The seed that is planted must be pure. And if it's planted in a good heart, it will bear fruit. But if a corrupted seed that is planted in a good heart, you won't get the wheat, but you'll get the tares. You still harvest, but you see the tares. We have to really look at the whole thing. That Jesus already warned his church that when he comes, he says, Will I find faith? If the word is not taught, there will be no faith. And that is the danger, I think. We need to consider. Time? Let me just finish this part. Uh, Note, he says, as he sows into the life of others, God guarantees his harvest. The result is God blessed his seed. And not again, not his, his seed, not his children. I just wanted to talk about the word bless. In the Hebrew, in the Bible, we have two words that is translated bless in English. One is ashore and one is barak. Okay, ashore means happy, joyful, rejoicing. Blessed is the man who walk not after the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. That blessed is the word ashore, happy. But here, the word bless is the word barak. And you see, you always see on TV the person barak, barak, barak. Who is that? Barack Obama. Right? His name is B-A-R-A-C-K. Right? This is B-A-R-A-K. Barack. What does Barack mean? Barack has a rich meaning. Very rich meaning. Barack means... Uh, let me just read 20. And his seed is blessed. Barack means successful, prosperous, peaceful, healthy, fruitful, and productive. God promised... God promised that our seed will be blessed. He promised, but I want to mention again, provided our seed follows the ways of God. 
It is not automatic. Okay? Uh, in conclusion, we don't have to live in uncertainty for God direct our steps. There's a song that, that we sometimes sing, isn't it? Uh, for I know who hosts tomorrow or something like that, isn't it? Uh, even the song, uh, there's another song which I forgot. We don't have to walk in defeat for God uphold us and therefore we never fail. We don't have to live in anxiety and worry for God promised to take care of all things for us. We don't have to worry of our future for God has blessed our future. Shall we stand? Let's just pray. Father, once again, we just come before your throne of grace. We come with a heart of gratitude. We come with a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of humility. And Father, we can never understand and uh, conceive in our mind, Father, how mighty you are and what you can do for us. And you have always assured us that you are a God of abundance. Lord, your word says that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And tonight we come before you today, Father, that you will help us, help us and uh, touch us by your spirit, Father, and cause us, Lord, to have that desire in our heart to obey you fully and completely so that we and our seed can experience the reality of your promise, Father, for each and everyone here, Father. We want to thank you, Father, tonight that your spirit will come and refresh each and every one of us. Fill our heart with a love for you, with a love with a love for your presence, Father. And we know, Lord, that in your presence there is fullness of joy and there is light forever. We thank you, Father. Let, that, let your word not fall in unprepared ground. Let your word, Lord, be deposited in the heart of your people. Let the Holy Spirit continue to water the word and let the word of God grow and bear fruit each and every one of your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much.